Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of April 2022. I hope that you're doing well out there and having a good week. Um, I am seeing some folks stopping in in the chat here. Uh, I'm saying hi to all of you stopping in. Hello, Tarya, who's uh, stopping in from windy and stormy Finland. We have the weather and Lynn is stopping in from Vermont. We're waiting for the weather here too. Yeah, waiting for that spring weather to, to come about. And um, it's been a kind of a rainy few days over by me in, in Michigan stateside. So um, <clears throat> I hope that you're all doing well out there. We'll take a deep dive into the astrology of April this week. Um, it's been it's been a long week, I have to admit. So a little bit a uh, little bit fatigued over here, but we'll see how how far we can get through all of it together. Uh, so if you're just joining us digitally here, make sure that you leave me a message in the chat. Let me know where you're stopping in from and that you're here. Um, if you could do me a huge favor and like this video and share it with your friends, that would be great too. And um, we'll see what we can do. A lot going on in April. Uh, we're coming off the malefic enclosure of Venus here which we're still experiencing for the next few days. And I got to admit, that's that's been a little rough. And um, let me know your experience in the chat if you've been uh, <laughs> weathering that storm. Uh, well, we've got a few more people stopping in. We've got Amara. Amara coming from beautiful New Jersey. Welcome, Amara. Andrea is here from Croatia, the space tiger. Uh, welcome, my friend. Raven Gray is here from Kansas. Spring is springing, but still chilly. Kate's joining us from New Hampshire. Um, it's wonderful to see all your beautiful faces here today. It, it fills me with so much joy that we're able to share this space together. Um, okay, so a few things before I, I get started. I do have my Decans of Aries webinar that's coming up on April the 9th. That's a Saturday. I'm going to be doing that on 1 p.m. Eastern daylight time now. <laughs> I just got to remember that there's been some talk about going to daylight time permanently. Um, I happen to think that going to standard time permanently would be my choice, but um, we'll see what happens with all of that. Just as long as one way or the other, we're not switching back and forth all the time. That would be what I would prefer. A couple more people stopping in. Craig is here from Iowa City. Welcome, Craig. Fionn stopping in from Ireland. Hello, my friend. And Elfe Weatherly is stepping in as well. Um, so yes, Decans of Aries, there's a description, uh, a link in this video. You can sign up for either the Decans of Aries or the Spring Bundle where you can uh, join me for Aries, Taurus, and Gemini webinars. And you can get a discount if you sign up for all three. And you can get an extra 20% off until the 1st of April if you use the coupon code Aries20. So I hope that you'll all join us. Um, those webinars have been my kind of just the accumulation of all the knowledge that I've been seeking over the last few years with astrology, tarot, fixed stars, and all of the other things that are related to, to the divination and whatnot. So I'm um, having a really good time doing that. If you've missed some of the other webinars that I've been doing, they're available in the store on my website. Um, yeah, so there, there's that. There's our uh, <laughs> there's our, our shilling for the day. Um, welcome to Tammy from North Carolina and Tanya Gerardo coming from Mesa, Arizona, another fellow Nightlight Astrology student. 
Um, very cool. I hope everything's going well with all of you over at Nightlight Astrology. I really enjoyed my time studying with Achutabhava and um, really appreciate him as a teacher. And I'm going to be, I think, catching up on Martin Hermes uh, and his um, talk that he did for the, the Nightlight Spring Speaker Series on the Aspect Doctrine. I really like Martin Hermes. I think he's a really intelligent astrologer. He really knows his Hellenistic astrology really well. Um, I, I will um, give him a pass on his slides, but uh, he's a, a wonderful, seems like a gentle soul and a, a fountain of knowledge. So check that out if you haven't. You've got probably until Monday to um, learn about aspect doctrine from Martin Hermes at, at Nightlight Astrology. Okay, so what do you say? We take some big picture thoughts here and we dive into the astrology. You'll probably go, I don't know, we'll see how much energy I have today. I didn't sleep very well last night, but I'll try to do the best that I can. Um, but I've got about four pages to get through and you all know how thorough and, and crazily detailed I am. So we'll see if we can get through all of it. Some big picture thoughts though for the month of April. So we're, we are in the middle of Aries season at the beginning of the month. We're going to be starting out the month of April in the second decan of Aries, uh, which is between 10 and 20 degrees of Aries. And we've got a tarot card, the three of wands, that represents that energy decanically. Um, Austin Coppock calls that decan the, the crown. Um, we've got a couple names in the Book of Toth and Book T. One is established strength. The other is virtue. A spirit associated with that is, the, is Persephone, um, sort of the, the queen of the underworld. Uh, and her journey from maiden to queen. So we're starting out the month in the face of the sun, and in the face of the sun that is uh, the home of the exaltation of the sun at about 19 degrees of Aries. So a very powerful place for solar significations. So we're going to be starting out the month of April trying to establish our own sovereignty. That's the word I really like for uh, the, the second decan of Aries. Aries has a story associated with it, I think, with the tarot cards, where we are trying to break away from sort of the, 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 the motherland or the mother uh, state of consciousness. We're, 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 of course, in a Mars-ruled sign with Aries, so we're severing and separating ourselves from the collective to establish an individual point of consciousness. So we're going to be right in the thick of that as we start April. And we've been coming off some a lot of contacts with multiple planets going through Pisces. Um, we have a lot of contact with the planet Neptune in Pisces over the last few weeks. We also have a, a number of things that are related to the, the bending of the nodes. So planets have been taking their turns doing the bending of the, like going into the bending of the nodes. And I'll show you what that means here because I think this is something that I'm learning is pretty important and I'll share my screen so that you all can see this with me so hopefully you can all see that so this is the beginning of the month April 1st and the bending of the nodes is this kind of condition where the, the planet in this case at the beginning of the month it'll be Saturn taking its turn uh, is going to be squared, the north and the south node of the moon. And the nodes of the moon are, are interesting because we've got places where energy 
um, or manifestation energy, I think, is, is coming into the world with the North Node and increasing. And we've got a, sort of a, a place or a doorway where energy is leaving with the South Node um, in a place of decrease. So we have these planets that are at this like turning point where we're moving towards an increase actually when we're in the north bending where Saturn is going to be heading towards the north node in Taurus. So there may be choices that need to be made to leave the past behind so that we can create growth again. And Mars, Saturn, and Venus um, have all been going through these, these north bendings of the nodes. So I wanted to point that out at first before we even get into everything because we're all being faced with uh, a number of choices. And what I want you to do that will be very helpful when you're thinking about these bendings is, first of all, look at the house in your chart that the planet is in. So in this case, it's the Aquarius uh, area of your chart. And then I want you to, when you're thinking about the individual planets, I want you to figure out what planet those, those particular ones are providing resources for. So in Saturn's case, Saturn would provide resources for Aquarius and Capricorn. Uh, in Venus's case, where Venus is, was going through a, a bending of the nodes at the end of March, we haven't quite gotten there as I'm recording this, but we're starting to feel it 100%. Um, and we've got this Venus in malefic enclosure that it will escape malefic enclosure by Monday as we get the Venus-Saturn conjunction. So. At the end of March, we've got this kind of energy where Venus is uh, coming to a, either a commitment or an ending, and now we move forward based on that new knowledge. And if you're looking at Venus, look at where Taurus and Libra are in your chart and what topics they represent. In this Cancer, this arbitrary Cancer rising chart that I have on the screen here, uh, Taurus is ruling the 11th house and Libra is ruling the 4th house. And Venus in Aquarius is placed in the eighth. So there will be eighth house matters in this Cancer rising chart that are uh, having an effect on this person's or this chart's uh, friend group, um, how they, you know, any type of group that they share a sense of purpose with, and maybe also their foundation, their, their living situation, their, their family of origin, their father potentially. All of those things could be, those themes could be related. So one of the things we have to do when we're studying astrology is try to integrate all of these things. And maybe there was a choice that was made. Maybe there was a, I don't know, there could be something with a, an inheritance, a legacy, a death in the family that is shaking up the friend group and the family nature and things of that, of that ilk. Um, so that's just one example to kind of help you to be able to de decipher some of these energies in your own life. So I wanted to point out we've got those planets at the bendings. Uh, another big picture thought I have for the month is we've got a, a, a Mars-Saturn conjunction fairly early on in the month, which is, you know, sometimes that can feel like frustrated energy at the beginning of the month. We want to move forward really, really badly, but there's some kind of uh, limitation that we're working within. Uh, we also have a Mercury-Kazemi that's happening. Uh, early in the month as well, uh, and we're going to start off on a new moon. And um, eventually we'll have not one, not two, but three lunations uh, this month with a, uh, a new moon in Aries, a full moon in Libra on the 16th. The new moon is actually starting our, 
off, starting us off the month on the 1st at about 11 degrees Aries. The full moon will be on the 16th at 26 degrees Libra, so balancing out our individuality with the compromises that we have to make and the balance and the equilibrium that we have to make. Um, that lunation will be squared Pluto, so we'll have to dig deep uh, for inner resources there and maybe eliminate some corruption that may arise. And then on the 30th, the very last day of the month here, um, we, we're going to have a new moon solar eclipse uh, in Taurus with Venus conjoining Jupiter. Now, I've been circling this date for quite a long time. Um, the system's just some really in powerful energy. Um, there, there's just a lot of manifestation energy that's happening there. Um, both Venus and Jupiter are going to be very well dignified. This is the degree of exaltation for Venus at, at rough, roughly 27, 28 degrees Pisces. Jupiter is well dignified in Pisces. Um, and that exalted Venus is providing resources for the eclipse in Taurus. So all of those factors signal to me a very abundant and prosperous beginning. So I do think that we may have some bumps along the road for April, but I think that when we get to the end of the month, we're, we're going to be prepared for a, a, an, an enormous shift in our lives, an enormous shift of consciousness, um, the potential to plant seeds that are going to be big game changers in our life. Um, it's not going to be easy. There's, there's a lot that is um, unknown right now. A lot of the other divination that I did with my hexagram and my animal speak to, you know, we don't quite have all of the details yet. We are kind of, you know, swimming in the dark a little bit. Um, but again, when, when we don't have all the information, sometimes what we have to do is be patient and let it come to us. And sometimes we don't want to make too many actions which I think Aries season, we want to, we want to act. We want to like, oh, let's go. Let's get moving. Let's get Mars in. Um, but I think with this case, we have to so sort of let some of it unfold to us. Some of the ingresses that we'll see in this month, and I'll, I'll stop my share for just a second. We're going to have Venus moving into Pisces on the 5th of April. So Venus gaining a lot of dignity after she went through her her dark night of the soul um, being in a malefic enclosure between Mars and Saturn, which is a really difficult place for, for Venus. Um, I, I've been talking to a lot of friends and folks, and there's just been, people have been having some relationship challenges. Uh, it's been difficult finding agreement and harmony at the end of the month here. Uh, I have a lot of friends who have been having some challenges with their um, their aging parents as well. That's been, I don't know if that's going around right now, but they're definitely, I've seen a lot of endings that have been happening. Um, so if that's going on in your life, I, I, I holding space and compassion for you and um, hope that you're finding the support that you need. And, and think about it like this. Some of the challenges that we've been experiencing with that are going to start to shift by the end of the weekend. So that, that malefic enclosure is almost over and you're almost through it. On the 10th of April, Mercury is going to be moving into Taurus. We're starting out the month with Mercury in Aries. Um, we're going to see Mars shifting into Pisces on the 14th of April. And then the Sun moves into Taurus on the 19th. And then finally, Mercury will move into Gemini on the 29th.
We have a couple solar phases that, that I want to, you to be aware of this, this month. On uh, April the 2nd, Mercury is going to be conjoining the sun. That's called the Kazemi of Mercury at 13 degrees of Aries. So this is a place where we get a renewal in the heart of the sun. And, and I'll break that down as we get into the, the, daily, um, the daily aspects. Uh, on the 18th of April, Mercury is going to make its evening rise. So this is something that I, I think is becoming more and more important to me in my astrological practice is seeing the, the, the visibility of a planet and when it makes its, uh, itself announced, its presence announced and visible after it's been under the, the beams of the sun and invisible. So today, the, as I'm recording this on the 25th of April, Jupiter is making its heliacal rise. So a lot of the things that we've been working on in the Jupiterian areas of our life, the Pisces and Sagittarius houses, um, may start to become visible today or in the, in the next few days. I mean, we may have even started yesterday and there's more visibility as we go through the weekend. So th those are really interesting moments to pay attention to because Robert Schmidt, one of the, the pioneers of Hellenistic astrology, would talk about that as a moment of phasis or an omen that was speaking very loudly. So it's important to pay attention when you get those types of messages, when you get clarity on something that can help you to take the actions that you, that you need. Um, so that's the ingresses, the new full and, and, and then new moon eclipse. We've got a first quarter moon on the 9th. We've got a last quarter moon on the 23rd. I'll talk about that as we, as we get further along in the show today. Um, you know, we've got, uh, and moon out of bounds is another thing that I've been starting to look into a little bit more too. We have moon out of bounds right now, uh, and it has been for the last few days. And that's when the, the moon is sort of outside the normal path of the sun. So the sun rises and, and at different declinations. That's a fancy word for how high it rises at, at noon during a specific time of year. And there is a specific uh, degree of declination either south or south or north of the sun or the path of the sun. And it's roughly 23 degrees and 36 minutes. So if you're looking on your ast astrology program, uh, you will see a little thing called declination. And I'll actually show you this here. I want to show you what this would look like. So here you can see here, this is the astral sheets from Astro Gold which gives you some extra information. You can see declination over here, all right? So if we were to, to go back to right now, you can see that the moon is at 26 degrees and 44 minutes south of the ecliptic, the path of the sun. So it's outside of that 23 degree, 36 minute um, path. So what that does is that, that sort of, makes that planet sort of a rebel, sort of a maverick. Um, it doesn't necessarily follow society's rules. It can really accentuate and exaggerate the energy of that planet. So maybe in the last few days, we've been feeling extra lunar, extra emotional, um, things maybe bubbling up from the, the depths of our subconscious uh, to be reckoned with in the light of day. And that can, you know, that can burn anybody out on some level, can it? Um, so we will have another moon out of bounds period um, from the 5th of April to the 10th. So I wanted to, to make sure that I pointed that out. 
as well. Okay. So you've got an astrological longitude over here, which is what we normally think of as the degrees that a planet is in on a chart, but the declination is the, the, the distance above or below the ecliptic. Okay. Everybody doing okay so far? We've got uh, Raven says, as a Taurus rising, I'm so ready for this enclosure to be over. Yeah, you and me both, Raven. Um, as a Taurus moon, speaking of that, uh, though my solar return was back in July during that Venus enclosure, so I think it's just part of my story of the year. Yeah, Raven, it, it, whenever we have a planet that's in between uh, Saturn and Mars, and I'll show you what this looks like, my friends. So this is the, chan the chart of the moment, and you can see here's our malefic enclosure with Venus hanging out in between Saturn and Mars. And normally a planet, uh, if there is a planet that's making an aspect in between, it can sort of like rescue that planet, but you can see that there's nothing right now. There's, there's nothing, no, no traditional planet is helping. So Venus is just kind of on this lonely island stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that is, you know, that's a rough spot to be. Um, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about malefic enclosure. You can literally see it. Like, uh, I believe the medieval term for it was besiegement. Um, so like you're, think about it like you're under attack from a, a rival nation in the medieval times. And you've kind of, you're kind of holding up in your castle, but there's nowhere to go. You can't leave. You're just stuck there. That's, that's sort of what it feels like on some level. Uh, Fionn says, my Jupiter return just went exact. Of course, I'm watching the an astrology live stream right now. Well, Fionn, thank you for joining me today on your, on your Jupiter return. What a beautiful Jupiter that you have in your chart um, with the 19 degrees of, of Jupiter there, <laughs> like the Pisces. So that's a wonderful way to, to um, gain some knowledge and receive uh, whatever messages are coming through this, this live stream for you today. So thank you for spending that time with us. Rachel says, hi from a very sunny Northern Ireland, excited for Venus moving into Pisces. Yes, me too, Rachel. And selfishly, my Venus return. So we have, Rachel has a, a really nice dignified, excuse me, Venus. And of course, once Venus moves out of Aquarius and into Pisces, it, it'll be out of that malefic enclosure too. So double, double goodness for, for Venus. Um, We've got, yeah, Rachel says, very lunar week. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's It's been an emotional, draining week, excuse me, for me. And I, I just, I've been losing a little bit of sleep lately. So I, I apologize if my brain's a little bit all over the place today. But uh, I, as a Cancer sun, when the moon is out of bounds and in Capricorn, it's a, it's a little bit <laughs> uh, bumpy waters, you know, patchy, patchy terrain. Okay. Uh, Cookerzilla says, hey, Spencer, do you think Mars gets affected by enclosure, enclosing Venus? That's a good question, Cookerzilla. Um, how would we break down the effect on the malefics of having to enclose a benefic, you know, or, or some other planet? It doesn't have to be Venus. It could be Mercury. It could be the sun. It could be Jupiter. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think that one of the things that I will say that we're probably seeing with Mars is that when Mars, Mars and Venus have been doing this dance with each other for a while and they're beginning to separate. So we had the Venus and Mars conjunctions 
a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, where we had two conjunctions, one in Capricorn and one in Aquarius. And I think that maybe we experienced some conflicts and we had to resolve some conflicts with Venus's contact with Mars. And now Mars is carrying that energy to Saturn to bring something into reality, to bring something into closure sometimes too. They say that Saturn castrates things into matter. So maybe by uh, figuring out what needed to be eliminated, we can then move forward with the Venusian area of our life and, and bring it into something real and we get sober around it. So, so yes, I think we're, we're, we're taking some of the, the lessons that we learned from Venus's contact with Mars and bringing it to, to Saturn, if that makes sense. Okay, taking a look at the chart, uh, the chat, the chat chart. June is joining us from Maui. Thank you, June, for being here today. Uh, Kate says, natal Venus is enclosed. Oh, I'm sorry, Kate. That is a challenge. Um, there are ways to break up a malefic enclosure. Uh, I have a, an enclosed Mercury in my chart, um, and it's not super fun, but uh, this is something that I learned from Nightlight Astrology, actually, from Achuta. Was, he was talking about Sometimes outer planet transits, like really significant, intense ones, can break up that that the energy of that malefic enclosure. Um, in my in my chart, Mercury was at twenty two degrees of Cancer, and it was enclosed by uh, a sextile, so not as bad as if it was a square or conjunct. But there were sextile rays that were enclosing my Mercury from Virgo. And when the Saturn-Pluto conjunction happened around 22 degrees of Capricorn, it, according to Achuta or his, wherever he's drawing that, that information from, an event like that can, can sort of break the energy of that and move us forward. And I will have to admit, I did experience that during the pandemic. Um, some of the issues that I had been experiencing with my Mercury enclosure, malefic enclosure, the pandemic sort of took care of it in its own way um, and helped me move forward in some level. So, so sometimes intense outer planet um, aspects, whether it's you know Pluto, uh, Uranus, Neptune, Saturn, or the combination like I experienced, sometimes that can really move us forward. Sometimes we learn to live with these things. Sometimes there's just certain areas of our life that are just not as easy as others. So that's something we're not, I don't think we're meant to do every single thing uh, in this lifetime. I think that we, we do have some areas of specialization sometimes, and sometimes learning to accept that certain parts of our life are, are just going to be, may not materialize the same way as other people, um, is, a, is a spiritual lesson and exercise in and of itself. It's not always a fun one. Um, but I think that if we are uh, coming to see it as a, as a lesson to be learned, there are ways to, to, to navigate it with grace. Um, Rachel says, both very evocative terms. Poor Venus. Yeah, I, I agree. Besiegement. Enclo malefic enclosure <laughs> sound really gnarly, don't they? June says, I'm experiencing extreme dynamic transformation and a connection to source. Well, June, that is awesome. Uh, in Maui, that's probably a lot easier to do than in 
you know, Michigan, <laughs> it's where I'm at in the spring. I want to experience dynamic transformation and connection to source on a beach with like a coconut and, you know, a volcano nearby. <laughs> so that's really cool, June. I'm, I'm, I am excited for you. Um, Tarya says, as the, as the out-of-bounds moon goes to extremes, could, could it be an extra dose of fate and fortune too? That is a great point, Tarya. So Tarya is joining us, another Tarya is joining us from Finland. Um, yeah, the moon is associated with, uh, you know, some of the things that we have to deal with that are not necessarily from in our own control. Like it's kind of the, the um, I'm thinking of the, the, the fifth and the sixth house, 2K, chance, fortune, some of the things that just come to us. You know, fifth house call is called the uh, Agatha 2K and sixth house is the Malus 2K, good and bad fortune, um, which is which is different than the, the 12th and the 11th, which is good and bad spirit or daimon. So some of those houses may be related to the, the, the good that we can create through our actions because it's related to the sun and our awareness. Um, so a lot of times we're adjusting the circumstances that, uh, that we didn't necessarily, you know, do anything specific to bring about. Uh, the moon is also related to the body, so there might be issues related to the body with an out-of-bounds moon as well, and our feeling of home and safety and security and emotional well-being. Um, Cooker's Lewis is amazing insights. Thank you, Spencer. Scorpio, 12th house stellium ruled by Mars in Leo. Well, that is cool. Um, welcome to the 12th house <laughs> extravaganza, my friend. I've, I've got the Mercury... That, that Mercury that's in Malefic Enclosure is in the 12th house in my chart, um, along with the Sun. Although the Sun is not in the Malefic Enclosure, if you if you all were wondering. Uh, LaFace says, my Mercury is enclosed as well. Thanks for that info. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting um, technique to be able to process. And it may explain why we maybe we're keep banging our heads against uh, uh, something in our life that, you know, would would be better served potentially through acceptance. Um, Kate says recent transits are conjunct ma major natal points, so I'm interested in seeing the implications. Okay, well that's a great segue for me to get into some of the astrology of of April. I think we've uh, we've done our half an hour on malefic enclosure. So thank you, Kate, for keeping me on track. Sorry, my brain's going to wander a little bit today, friends. Hopefully, we're not here for like four hours. Um, although maybe some of you would think that was cool, but you'll see me pass out from from hunger and fatigue if that's the case. Okay, so that sets the scene. Let's get back to uh, the beginning of the month, and I'm going to bring us back, uh, bring us back to April 1st. So here we go, April 1st, 2022. Uh, we are starting off the month in with a new moon so this is the first real um this is the first lunation or or really important aspect of the month and rachel's sneaking in a question about enclosure here it says are there such thing as enclosures by transit um yes so that's what we're experiencing with venus right now is, is venus is enclosed by transit but I wonder if you're also asking if, if a planet in your own chart can be enclosed by malefic, transiting malefics. And I think the answer to that is also yes. Um, so I'm looking at April 1st and the new moon in Aries 2. This is a, a new moon at 11 degrees of Aries. 
Uh, I will hopefully have a, a guest um, that will join me next week to break this down in depth. Still working on the details of that, but I will let you all know as soon as I, I have it worked out. Um, and the, 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 the interesting thing about this is we've got the host as Mars. We just had Venus escape the malefic enclosure, make a conjunction with Saturn. Mars is in Aquarius too, which is related to moving between worlds. Um, it's sort of kind of separating us from things that were frustrating. Uh, Austin Coppett calls that one uh, the knot, that decan. So when we have Mars in, in a decan that's associated with frustrating old karma that we want to escape from, this new moon may be about severing from an old narrative that we have, an old mental limitation. Um, that's what I like about Aquarius now, and Saturn and Aquarius is that, that glass ceiling energy where, where we really think about uh, what are the stories that we're telling ourselves as what is possible and what isn't. So we may be eliminating some of those old stories for the specific purpose of creating independence. So the second decan of, of Aries really is related to personal sovereignty, like the establishment of leadership ability, uh, establishing your own territory. Like, like I said, the first decan is, um, you know, leaving the, the whatever you're dependent on behind, whether it's a collection of souls and consciousness or a family of origin or a, a, a country of origin, like the, the way that the Rider Waite um, deck was describing this, we had the, the first decan of Aries was called um, Dominion, which is related to like establishing a colony apart from the mother country. And now in the second decan, we're, we're establishing the rules of that new independent state, basically. So if we think about this in our own personal lives, this new moon is really about establishing a new independence, a new sense of being able to move forward under our own power and leave behind some of these, those limiting belief systems that may have been idealistic walls or ceilings rather than actual physical boundaries. Um, so that's something to, to think about with this new moon. The other thing to recognize about this new moon is that we have Mercury co-present with it, uh, about to become Kazemi or be renewed in the heart of the sun. So there may be some negotiations around this period of time that are important since Mercury is a part of this lunation. And then you can also see that Ju Jupiter and Neptune are, are starting to apply to their conjunction. So that is also you know, gonna be happening simultaneously with the, this kind of lunar cycle that we have here is Jupiter coming in contact with Neptune. And I'll break that down in depth in a minute, but you can also listen to a, a podcast that I did with my good friend, Hannah Kuhari. Um, you can check that out. I just posted a link to that on Instagram um, and I'll try to share that around more, but it's a really great, really great talk we had on Jupiter and Neptune. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the name of it was here so that I can, it's the Light Body Podcast. Uh, with Hannah Kuhari. So you check check out the Light Body podcast and give her a shout out here. Um, she's a really great uh, thinker as well. I really like talking to her. So that's kind of the new moon on the first. Um, 
and you might have to kind of, you know, there may be some battles that you have to, to face to be able to establish your sense of self and sovereignty. Um, this is really about regulating your own personal world. Uh, I think that after you've had some kind of conquest, battle, separation from Aries 1 uh, experience that we would go through at the end of March, then you say, okay, how do we reconstruct the, the new land, right? How do we um, build things back up after the, the, the conflict that, that helped us to, you know, say what is us and what isn't us? I think the first decan of Aries is really about rejecting what we're not. And then by the second decan, we're saying, this is who I am. It's very solar, right? It says, you know, the sun announces itself. It says, here I am. I'm very bright, and I'm going to shine my light and my vitality. So there may be some hopeful expectation around this as well. Okay. If I move forward to the second, you can see that here we have our, our Mercury Kazemi moment. So this is going to happen around 12, 13 degrees, about 13 degrees, I guess, once the actual conjunction will happen um, of Aries. And this is a renewal of Mercury. So in the area of your natal chart, Mercury is going to be doing some negotiating in the Aries uh, topic that, that is represented in this case, this arbitrary uh, Sagittarius rising chart. This is a, the Mercury Kazemi will happen in the fifth house. But you, it will also have an effect on the Gemini and Virgo area of your life. So in this arbitrary Sagittarius chart, it, that Kazemi through the fifth house will have an effect on the seventh house of partnerships and of you know culminations, of endings, of celebrations, of the setting sun, and then the tenth house of, of visible action out in the world. So again, this is, this is a really powerful technique to see what area of life the, the, the planet is taking action in, and then what effect will it have on the other houses that are related to it. The potter and the clay metaphor on some level. So the, the planet in the house is the potter, and the, it is the clay for those other houses. Um, one thing to think about with this Mercury Kazemi is it'll be uh, conjoining a fixed star called Alderaman, and that's in a constellation called Cepheus, uh, and that is the king. This, this whole decan is all about royalty. There's a number of fixed stars that are related to the, the, the royal family that is near the, the pole, which is thought of as a place of eternity. Um, because it, it rises and it doesn't necessarily ri you know, rise and set. It's just like appears out of nowhere, kind of. It's just really kind of interesting. There's immortality associated with it. Um, but, but Cepheus is really the king. Uh, it's really about dignity and honor, being, having wise leadership. So you, you're communicating your new leadership skills around this uh, Mercury Kazemi. So I want you to kind of look into your crystal ball and see where you need to make a new start where you need to establish your independence? And how can you do that with dignity and honor and be like a, an honorable leader rather than an, an autocrat or some kind of someone who is strong arming their way into, uh, into power? Because eventually, if you do that, you will be planting the seed of your downfall. I, I say that a lot in various interviews. Um, this is a concept that I really like that's related to my 
very elementary understanding of Taoism and the, the yin yang symbol. Whereas you, you go to an extreme with any type of energy and you're planting the seed of its opposite. So in questions of power, um, by being fair uh, in leadership positions, you're creating peace by being of service to the people that you're leading. Whereas if you're trying to just dominate people, that, that makes you know that that makes people upset and, and eventually they're going to uh shift the energy and you, that's not what you want from conscious conscientious leadership so that's something to consider with that mercury kazemi now if i move forward another day or two we'll get to april the 4th and you can see that on april the 4th we have our mars saturn conjunction so if i go forward a few hours here you'll be able to see it exactly so there is the the coming together of mars and saturn now this is been thinking a lot about this aspect it's uh it's not a i don't think it's a fun aspect anytime the malefics are coming together it's not like it's fun fun happy times um it is in that third decan of Aquarius, which is associated with the Seven of Swords, where you see a figure is sneaking away from an encampment, carrying five swords and leaving two behind. So again, you know, Austin Kopic really talks about the, the themes of leaving the past behind, untying the old karmic ties. Um, this may be where we're you know, finally making progress with that potentially. Um, we may feel like we have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. I think there's there's really a lot of frustrated movement with this aspect where Mars wants to move forward quickly. Saturn says, no, you need to slow down. Um, I think in this case, Saturn is more powerful because it, it, Saturn is in its own temple, its own domicile. So I do think that we may have to slow our roll a little bit around this period of time. Um, but it may take a lot of hard work and focused discipline to get whatever we're trying to get done. Now, this aspect is going to be on a fixed star called Sal del Sud, which is in one of the shoulders of the Aquarian constellation. And this is called the luckiest of the lucky. So, you know, this, this is about, um, there's two fixed stars in that, in that constellation. One is the luckiest of the lucky, and the other is called Sal del Milik, which is actually at three degrees of Pisces, um, but in the constellation of Aquarius. So the, the luckiest of the lucky is more about letting things come to you rather than creating luck through, through your own actions. So instead of forcing things around this April the 4th period, letting things come to you, letting the process play out, becoming Saturnian around it, which, which means that we have to accept that we're going through a uh, slow process um, that what we're doing is you know sometimes it needs to be it needs to play out that there's certain limitations that we're working within as well and just coming to to a sober reality around whatever we're trying to achieve in our life um, just one little note with this you know the sado uh, sado sud sometimes can bring good fortune from really difficult situations one of the things I've just had my eye on in the collective is I do think um, Aquarius, a lot of times when we have aspects in Aquarius, 
these forces are are collective forces where they're you know the big picture type of thoughts and you know this this mars saturn conjunction is going to be squaring the moon on that day and it's also going to be making an opposition to one of the major players in the the collective narrative right now um vladimir putin his pluto is at 22 degrees of leo so this saturn mars conjunction is going to be happening in exact opposition to his pluto now i don't know exactly what that could mean for him um, maybe it means there's an ending uh, maybe some of his energy is frustrated um, i hope it means that there's an ending to to the conflict that we're experiencing and in europe right now that would be what i'm hoping and praying for uh, which I think could very well be possible. And I say that because, you know, one of the other aspects that's perfecting around this period of time is this Jupiter-Neptune uh, conjunction. And this is, historically, has been associated with peace treaties. Uh, the, the Treaty of Paris in Europe um, was established around a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Um, we established a new cooperation between nations with the League of Nations and another Jupiter-Neptune conjunction here. Um, just a lot of uh, ending of conflicts and a coming together and a, and a dissolving of boundaries between people. So the combination of those two things, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not an astrologer that likes to predict specific events. I'm more someone who wants to give you the metaphorical, mythological um, background. But I do think that, that it's a possibility that we could see some resolutions in some of our global conflicts around this period of time. That's my hope. Um, and I'm just going to put that out there. I'll put that out there to, to you know, hopefully manifest peace because I believe in peace. Okay, so that's our, that's our Mars-Saturn conjunction on the 4th. Um, as we move into the 5th, we have... Here is April the 5th. Sorry, I'm just going by hours here, and that's not what I wanted to do. Get back to the days. So on April the 5th, Tuesday, the major thing that's happening on April the 5th, actually two major things, um, we have Venus moving into Pisces, which is an, a, a vast improvement in dignity, for Venus. This is Venus's exaltation sign, which means that she is an honored guest in this house of Jupiter. She has access to all the best of her resources, which could include harmonization, peace, love, unconditional love, um, being able to bring people together. Another, uh, I think that is another indication that we may see a, re a reduction in global conflicts around this period of time as well. Um, so that's that's something that gives me some hope around this period of time, April 5th. The other thing that is happening here too is uh, Mars is going to be at the north bending of the nodes. So after it makes its conjunction with Saturn, you can see that it's squaring the north and south node. So a, a turn in in conflict situations maybe a turn towards peace since we're heading towards a venus ruled north node in taurus so again um 
look for those manifestations in your own life personally as well. Maybe there was some conflict situation that you've been experiencing in the end of March here, moving into the beginning of the month and you're finally getting some resolution. Again, using our technique that we've been talking about with a planet in a sign versus the, the, the houses that it uh, is responsible for, you're going to want to look to the Scorpio and Aries houses to see what type of movement is created through your Aquarius house that Mars is transiting through, okay? And this is going to be some kind of shift between your Taurus and, and Scorpio axis here, right? You may be starting to move towards whatever topic is represented by Taurus in what, wherever it's placed. In this arbitrary Cancer rising chart, it's, you know, moving from a, maybe a more personal creative expression to a more collective group consciousness, maybe a movement towards altruism or something of that nature and joining forces with others. Uh, so that's something to think about. Okay. Now, one thing I wanted to point out that I think is interesting is Pisces, the first decade of Pisces is the Eight of Cups. And in that card, which I'm looking for right now, you see a figure that is going off into the wilderness, leaving behind eight stacked cups. And this card is really about after we've untied some of the karmic knots in the end of Aquarius, we go off on this inner journey to find a higher purpose, to find meaning. And sometimes it, it, it is about leaving uh, some kind of material success or material form behind. So I think at once in the first 10 degrees of Pisces, Venus may actually be creating this kind of energy of uh, detaching from some object of desire, abandoning something that we've been pursuing, uh, saying, you know, this isn't really bringing me happiness. I need to go off in search of something that brings me higher meaning, higher purpose. Um, we may also become aware of the, the highs and lows of emotion that are associated with temporary uh, reality, temporal reality, with the fact that nothing is permanent in this physical realm. That's sort of a, a, a real energy of Pisces too, is coming to an acceptance of impermanence as well. So if you, if, if you feel a sense of like, eh, this isn't really what uh, floats my boat anymore, I think that one of the ways that you will come into alignment with what is really meaningful for you, that will really bring you true joy, is letting go of something that isn't bringing you joy first. Because sometimes when we're trying to keep something afloat that isn't really bringing us real meaning and joy, we're blocking the manifestation of what, what could provide that for us. So something to consider as, as Venus moves through its first degrees of Pisces. All right. Everybody doing okay out there? In digital land? Just checking over the chat here. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to my uh, sleep-deprived ramblings. <laughs> This is when you tap into, you know, all of your instincts and drink all of your mate tea to keep you awake. 
but a lot of times when you're you're, you're kind of um, functioning at a little bit of a different frequency, I think when you're tired and you can tap into this like almost non-linear type of consciousness. So it's interesting. Kate says uh, 18 degree Aquarius um, sun, moon at 22 degrees. Aries, Leo rising. Hey, fellow Leo rising. I, I'm a Leo rising as well. Uh, collectively feels like a transition of power, personally transition of what I give power. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so with the, the Leo risings out there, maybe some really, some difficult relationship conversations may be coming up potentially with the all of that action happening in the seventh house. Um, you know, turning points. Uh, you know, and, and communication is really the key. I think that this is something that I've been learning throughout this process and the Venus enclosure and all of these things is it's really important to have um, have clear communication. Uh, sometimes we repress things because we're afraid of the disapproval of someone else, and that can lead to even more corruption. And I think that when we just bring things to the light of day, uh, innovative solutions can be found. And in relationships, I think sometimes we try to carry the burdens by ourselves because we want to feel competent, we want to feel respected, or we're nervous that the other person is going to be upset if we don't share those things. And I do think it's important uh, to just, if you're in a, a situation like with a relationship, figuring out how you can team up and uh, work smarter rather than harder. And I think that's something that um, I think that's some, a lesson of the Venus enclosure. That's something I'm, I'm learning with, with this, the work smarter, not harder type of thing. Um, so yeah, we've got people that are enjoying the sleepy discussion. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, Claire is here, Aligning Light Astrology, effing chat for me with this Aquarius stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, uh, if you're an Aquarius... Uh, heavy chart, like if you have it in an angle, like Claire and I do, you're probably feeling it pretty intensely right now, um, and getting your butt kicked by it a little bit. Uh, Lynn says, I relate to sleep-deprived communication flow of consciousness. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that people are still uh, receiving the wavelength here. Uh, Snake Woman Girl says, my birthday is April 5th. Well, happy birthday, snake woman girl i hope that you're able to shed your skin on your solar return on this wonderful day and be uh, refreshed and reborn so this here is your basically here's your solar return chart for for the for the year um with a beautiful hopefully venus in in uh, pisces um and a gemini moon so uh, lots of explorations ahead for you my friend uh, Kate says, I hope Mercury over there advocates. Yeah, we need uh, we need some Mercury help with this with this chart also, don't we? Rachel says, me too. Really enjoying the exploration of April's. As someone who knows a thing or two about sleep deprivation, thank you for showing up today. I have to admit, friends, this is just me being honest, I almost rescheduled for tomorrow because I was like, oh man, how am I going to do this? But sometimes you just got to power through. And it's really, um, it's a nice affirmation that, that all of you are, are here today and um, 
you're still vibing with me. And um, thank you. Thank you for giving me energy today and propping me up. So awesome stuff. Okay, let's keep on rolling. So let's go to April the 7th. On April the 7th, we have just a little minor aspect between Mercury and Saturn, a sextile between Mercury and Aries and Saturn and Aquarius. This may be something with Mercury moving through the third decan of Aries where we might be having some communication to win over a hostile crowd. Um, my recommendation for this is to use utilize your charisma and maybe even a sense of humor if you're discussing difficult topics. And I'll explain that in more depth as we get to the Aries 3 um, part of the show, which we're almost there. But um, th that decan is ruled by Eros. Um, so we're kind of inflaming the passion of others and trying to gain a following. Um, but again, it's 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 a Venus rule decan. So utilizing your ability to soften a little bit and to create a win-win situation, I think, is part of that um, part of that decan as well. On the eighth, on the eighth, we're going to be seeing the Moon moving through Cancer, and we're going to have a sextile between Mercury and Mars. So after the conversation that Mercury had, the positive uh, sextile conversation that Mercury was having with Saturn, now it gets to have that same conversation with Mars. So again, one of the things that I think is important is realizing that when you have these aspects, you are going to be dealing with those areas of your life. So Mercury may be negotiating with the Capricorn Aquarius area of your chart uh, the day before, and now it's going to be moving and taking that reality check and helping you to take action in the Aries and Scorpio area of your life. Okay, so this this relationship with planets and, and how it works with the houses and topics is super fascinating to me. And, and it's really, it's super, it's changed. Um, the accuracy of my readings quite a bit uh, when I started learning traditional astrology and, and just this kind of guest host relationship. One of the most important things that you can learn as a, as a budding astrologer. So I, I encourage you to, to keep practicing um, that technique. Okay, uh, and then the last thing we have as the moon or the sun moves through Aries 2, second decan of Aries, is a, a, a square between uh, the sun and the moon at 19 degrees of Aries. So if we look at our aspects here, whoops, there we go. So here's the square between the sun and 19 degrees of Aries, the exaltation degree of the sun. So the really powerful sun, like where we're shining our light, you know, we're, we're just like establishing and saying, this is who we are. Here we are. Hear me roar. Okay. And then we have the moon at 19 degrees of cancer, which is a little bit more, it's receptive. It's not as aggressive. It's more about receiving, nurturing, uh, maybe a more domestic energy. Um, and so there's a little bit of a, a conflict with the first quarter moon where we're saying, how are we going to get our needs met as we establish our new territory? So there's, there's negotiations around April the 9th, um, the day of my Deccans and Aries webinar. Uh, if you sign up on a link near you. Um, so you, you may be uh, 
negotiating between nurturing and establishing your own sense of uh, individuality and sovereignty. Um, the good news is, is that both of those planets are equally strong. Um, I would say that the, the you've got the exaltation of the sun and, and the moon in its own domicile, so uh, they, they have access to resources. So I, I think there's a, a possibility that we could have a good, um, it, it's not going to be as much of a difficulty as if those planets were in, in a place that they didn't like being in. Okay, that is the end of Aries 1. A uh, 2, sorry, Aries 2, Aries 2. Okay, y'all doing okay? All right, Henry, just got over a bad flu. Hello, Henry. Uh, only now leaving delirium, 6th house Aquarius. Yeah, there's your malefic enclosure in the 6th house. With this Mars uh, moves year, um, it has been, okay, malefic out of sect year. Gotcha, okay. Okay, I see your anagram there. Uh, it has been one thing or another. Having Venus there has been so nice, in my opinion, some help. Yeah, I would say having any benefic, at least lending a hand when you have two malefics in a particular house, um, that can that can be a, a help for sure. Um, Kate says, my first reaction is sending my sympathy to Rachel. Rachel says, you could have postponed Spencer need to be humans. <laughs> no, I'm not a human. I'm a astrological machine. <laughs> like my Taurus moon says I am responsible for showing up for all of you. So here we are. Um, Claire says, I bet Henry, as much as I want Venus and Pisces, I don't want her to leave Aquarius. That's a good point. Like once, you know, Venus moves into Pisces, She's not going to be able to help with both of those malefics hanging out in Aquarius. So that, that Aquarian area of your chart around this period of time, as you can see here, may get a little more, a little dicier uh, temporarily. Uh, Mars is going to leave that place pretty soon. So it's only a few days. So this, this time might be a little spicy, um, but you do have a nice dignified Venus and Jupiter that are helping uh, on the periphery, they may not be helping directly, but because the benefics are in good shape, maybe there's another area of your, of your life that you can focus on that may be working out really well that can get you through the hard times uh, in that Aquarius area of your chart. Um, let's see. June says, yes, I welcome suggestions as to attempt to integrate with new groups with my somewhat conflicting verse unique Aquarian ideas. Yeah. That's a tough one. Sometimes integrating Aquarian ideas is more about accepting the fact that you won't always be well understood right away. Uh, sometimes you have to do what is good for the collective, whether you get their approval or not. This is one thing I talk to my Aquarian clients with a lot about is saying, you know, you know what needs to be done. You see the big picture and you kind of fuck everyone else, you know? Uh, and, and, and I don't mean that like where you just do whatever you want, you still are doing the altruistic thing, but if people don't understand it, eventually they will, right? Eventually they'll get it and they'll see that you had a, a hopefully, um, a visionary quality to that, that you were trying to work on behalf of the greater good. And a lot of times people just have their own selfish needs in, in mind and they don't understand when people are trying to be progressive about bringing change into the world. 
And remember, Saturn, Saturn's role in Aquarius is really creating new ideological blueprints that we can, you know, organize society around. So again, human beings don't like change. And sometimes, you know, people get martyred because they want to make a change. So hang in there is what I will say. Um, Andrea says, April 9th is making me curious regarding my personal life. Well, sign up for, you know, send me a message. Sign up for a reading if you <laughs> like that. No, I, me and Andrea are BFFs. So uh, I'd be curious to see what you think is going to happen on April the 9th for your chart, Andrea. Uh, Laura, Laura Chong is here. Hey, hey, Laura, uh, our fellow Aries. We've got some Aries energy in here with our fire emojis. Aries season, let's go. Yes, that's a, that's, I love that you're bringing your Aries fire. If you haven't checked out my conversation with Laura Chung, uh, check out her podcast as well. Um, and you can find that on her site. Uh, oh man, I'm so tired that the name is escaping me, but it's something like Awakening Light. Maybe Laura can put a link to it or the name of her podcast in the chat box here, but you can find that. Um, I believe there's a link to that somewhere. Awakening. Help me out, Laura. <laughs> My sleep-deprived brain. But I had a really nice conversation with Laura uh, recently, so I encourage you all to check that out. Um, Rachel says, interesting times, Kate. Though we have, have to say Saturn sun hasn't been as grim as expected, sobering, demanding patience, and trudging on. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes Saturn makes changes that are necessary, and when we come to the reality, it's liberating. So I, it doesn't always have to be really bad. Um, Jupiter is lending a helping hand. Um, hope yours has been okay. Um, I'm just reading through things here. On my own, Kate says, on my own idea was to start a group and it's just me. No offended, guaranteed, uh, compulsive posts, need fulfilled. Um, well, you can start like a Discord server or something like that if you just need your own unfiltered ideas out there. If you want to start a group discussion, uh, you know, there's all sorts of channels for getting our creativity out there and sharing our wisdom. And sometimes what, what I will say about building a community is sometimes it builds slow. We have a really amazing community here with these live streams. I'm, I'm so 100% grateful for all of you, but it took some time to build it. And it took me experimenting with a number of different formats before we really hit on something like this, these live streams that I think people are really enjoying. Um, so, so be patient with the process. Sometimes even if you're having a really good conversation with one or two people, that, that's, that's enough in the beginning and it builds over time. So I, I think that's one, one thing to think about as you move forward with trying to create community and share your ideas and all of those things. Um, super lucky kitty. Hello, super lucky kitty. I love that name. That's kitty in, in all caps. Scorpio rising. I'm zapped of energy. Well, you and me both kitty cat, you know, I, I am running on fumes. Uh, let's see. Rachel says, I can imagine you finding it very hard to not show up. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one of the things I pride myself on is consistency. Uh, I think any Taurus does on some level. Um, so yeah, it's, it is hard not to show up sometimes, but we do have to listen to our bodies one way or the other, but things are going fine today. So I'm glad I did come and sharing space with all of you today. Um, 
<laughs> Andrea says, Taurus Moon's being stubborn. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely stubborn. Uh, Claire, Aligning Light Astrology, Claire Moon says, June, Dr. Jen Zart has an excellent lecture on writing the, the transmission of ideas that might help with that question. It's on the Norwalk website for a couple years. Yeah, I love Dr. Jen Zart. Um, Dr. Jen Zart has a really interesting project that she started in the Pacific Northwest, which is sort of like an astrology library. And she, she uh, bought or rented a house and started collecting astrological books. And people can go in there and do like research. It's like a research library. Um, the, like the Cali Institute, or I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's super cool. Um, I would check check that out. Search for Jen's art and their research library, because um, that's a really cool idea. And if you're on the, the West Coast, maybe make a trip up there, because uh, it's a, a wealth of information. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to move forward. Thank you so much for all these chats. Uh, keep keep them coming. If you're enjoying this video, please hit that like button. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing today, uh, if you want to buy me a coffee <laughs> for caffeine, you could uh, do a super chat or a super sticker with the little dollar sign in the chat box, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. I'm going to need some coffee today, but I don't really drink coffee. I drink this like herba mate tea, which I think keeps me going on some level, although it's a little dehydrating. All right. You're getting Spencer unfiltered today. I apologize for my stream of consciousness weirdness. Um, but yeah, let's move forward to Aries 3. So what we're looking at now is the time frame from April 10th to April the 19th, where the sun is in, the, in, in between 20 degrees of Aries and then the very beginning of Taurus. So the last 10 degrees of Aries. So some things to think about with Aries 3 versus Aries 2. We're moving on to a place in the zodiac that is represented by the four of wands. And in this card, which they call perfected work in book T and completion in the book of Toth, we see what is called a hoopah. And a hoopah is a Jewish bridal structure or tent, which is a sort of a celebration. Like, like let's say you had a, a, a wedding and you have this kind of this wedding structure. So after we've established ourselves as sovereigns, right, we've established, we've, we've separated from the mother country, we've established our own territory. Now we are celebrating and consecrating our leadership. We're establishing a following. It's, it's a Venus ruled Deccan. Um, Austin Kappa calls it the burning rose. So it's not necessarily a permanent place to stay. It's, it's not like we're creating a lasting um, devotion, but we're inflaming passion for a, a, a period of time. Now, the daimon associated with this decan is called Eros. And, and one interesting note about Eros, and I'll talk about this in my Decans of Aries webinar, but Eros has both gold and lead-tipped arrows, and the gold-tipped would inflame passion, lead-tipped would, would repulse the object that it hit. So be very careful about are you creating the ability for people to uh, fall in love or by your actions are you creating uh, you know the opposite effect of what you're intending so this is this is something to consider with this deck in um, 
the 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 charisma is a is a kind of a and sex appeal are associated with this uh i think of marilyn monroe who had venus in this decan where venus was in her exile but she had some dignity by by face and she was just this very attractive um person who who people fell in love with very easily so i i think that utilizing your charisma utilizing your sense of humor um winning them over with with honey rather than vinegar i think is is kind of the the energy of this decan so it's i think it's important to re realize that the fighting is kind of maybe over at this point you've established yourself now it's time to like bring people back together does, does that make sense all right my goodness, my printer is going crazy today. I don't know. <laughs> like, do you ever have moments where your where your printer has like been backed up and like something happened with your Wi-Fi, and then every everything that's been backlogged in your printing just starts printing all at once? That's happening to me right now. Um, okay, let's see. I'm looking through the chat. Oh. Grateful for astrology communities that you've been exposed to. I'm, I'm glad you're here, Kate. Uh, I, Rachel says, determination is a nice synonym for stubborn. Yeah, we're determined to do a forecast today. And Rachel says that matcha is very good too. Yeah, I like matcha tea. And I like green tea ice cream. That's one of my favorite flavors as well. So we're looking at April 10th. As the sun has moved freshly into the third decade of Aries, um, and the first thing that we're going to notice is that Mercury is going to be making a square to Pluto, okay? So before Mercury moves into Taurus, and it will happen on April the 10th, it has a last dance with Pluto. So as you're trying to establish a following, as you're trying to communicate what is good about the new territory that you've established, the new independence? You may meet with a challenging conversation with an authority figure, with someone who has material power, with a government structure, with a bureaucracy. This is, this is kind of a red tape kind of position for Pluto in Capricorn 3. Um, so utilize your patience. Um, recognize that you may have to root out a little bit of corruption and again utilize the gifts of aries three here which is your your good humor your charisma to win over that hostile crowd and to eliminate the, and transform the the material structures of your life so that's what we're seeing right before uh mercury moves into taurus so later on in the day we're going to see Mercury moving into Taurus. So there you go. Now Mercury is out of Aries and is co-present with Uranus. So we may be shaking our routines up with Mercury and Uranus coming together, and you're going to have to organize a new routine based on what you've established. So Mercury in the first decade of Taurus is related to the Five of Pentacles. And the Five of Pentacles shows these two like destitute figures that are walking in the snow and they're outside of a church and one of them is like on crutches the other one their clothes are in rags it's you know it's a, it's kind of a, a a dim scene and the interesting thing about this card from various authors 
they call it um, worry. Uh, there's there's some other uh, names for this card called material trouble. Um, Austin Coppa calls it the plow. Uh, we've got a diamond associated with the charities. This is a place in the Zodiac where it is a Mercury ruled Deccan. So Mercury does have some dig- dignity by face. And it's not necessarily that we're going to experience poverty, but we are afraid that we might. And all of the things that we do to prepare ourselves to avoid this scene in the five of pentacles are very important so what we're doing is we are planning because so austin comic says it's the plow we're plowing the fields of our life we're using mercury to make a plan about how we're going to you know plant the seeds of our life we're taking stock of our resources we're saying what seeds do we have? What seeds do we have to go to the, the farm store and buy? Where do we want to put them? How, how much do we want to space them? What budget do we have available for this? It's, it's all about asking questions about how you're going to utilize the resources you have to build in spring. And that may make you a little nervous at first and, and a little worried. But if you talk it out, Mercury, communicate, and then make a plan, that'll help bring you some relief. Okay, that'll probably help you feel a lot better about moving forward. Maybe you've had a big change in your life and it, and it necessitates a different way of dealing with resources. This is a great time to make a plan so that you can relax a little bit. Okay. Now, when we move forward another day, we get to April 11th. That's when we have Saturn at the bending of the nodes. So you remember we were talking about Mars and Venus at the bending of the nodes. Well, now it's Saturn's turn. And you can see Saturn here at 22 degrees of Aquarius is squared the north and south node at 22 degrees of Taurus and Scorpio, respectively. So this is another turning point. We've had so many turning points um, in the last few weeks with, with all these planets going through the bendings of the nodes. Like our worlds may look very, very different than they did even two months ago. Like I, I, I've been saying for the last year, this time period march april may 2022 with with jupiter moving so quickly jupiter's screaming through pisces in the first five months of this year the vision that we have could manifest really quickly and almost to the point where you're like surprised we're like oh my goodness my dream is here what the hell do i do and that's it's very disorientating so a lot of the times when we make a wish and we open ourselves to receive, we can start to doubt, and that can start to push away the the good things that we have attracted. So I think it's important to allow some of these things to manifest. And then when you get to this like point, this turning point with Saturn, you may have to let go of something to, to move forward. You may have to make a commitment. You may have to say, okay, here's the reality of our situation now. Uh, and again, this will be related to the Aquarius and the Capricorn area of your life. So tough conversations potentially, but it could really help us moving forward. And I, I'm also noticing that the moon's going to be, uh, you know, opposing Saturn on this day. So we may also have some questions about whether we should stay and stand our ground, which is a Leo three signification, or whether we should leave the past behind. So again, this, this is a tough conversation. So should I stay or should I go now? If I stay, there will be trouble. If I go, it will be double. But 
Saturn really wants to know, should you stay or should you go? All right. God, what a clash with my unconscious here, you know, subconscious mind. All right, I'm looking through the chat here, and then there's a 20-second delay, so hopefully somebody will laugh in the next 20 seconds for my subtle musical humor. Um, let's see. Tarya says, you are having a Mercury and Pisces printer moment. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Yeah, definitely am. Mercury, this is the most Mercury and Pisces uh, live stream I think I've done for a while. Um, let's see. Imagine in Taurus, it would be a grounded long-term plan. Yeah, I, I agree, Rachel. I think having things be be grounded would be important. Um, practical, I think, is practical and patience. Is, I think both of those things, practicality and patience, are required. Uh, Henry says, so interesting to hear the decanic tarot perspectives. I've been pulling four of wands a lot. Astrology really ignited my interest in tarot. It is a living language. 100%, Henry. And, and it they are both divinatory systems this is something that it was a big shift in my consciousness that i learned from uh, an author named jeffrey cornelius he wrote a book called the moment of astrology and he compares astrology to divination where it, it is oracular we're creating oracular space with both things and the reason he was able to do that is because he recognized that sometimes a chart that was disconnected from the actual time um, that it was created had oracular meaning for the current time he was in. So like he was saying, oh, this chart of, of this particular event that I'm reading about in a book has meaning for me now in the present moment. So it's similar to pulling a card on some level. And this is some of the things that we see with horary astrology as well. So, so yeah, the, the two are really uh, closely related. And you know what I like about using the tarot is having a visual narrative for these things. And I'm really in debt to uh, Austin Kopic and T. Susan Chang and authors like that that have really expanded on this work and hopefully I'm adding something to their pioneering work and to that conversation. Um, the Clash. Yes, Lynn. Lynn recognized The Clash. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Laura. Laura's not a Clash fan. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to keep rolling here. I'm really enjoying uh, going on the Mercury in Pisces journey with all of you. Uh, but let's let's see if we can focus a little bit. I will focus for a minute. Um, so we're on the 11th. Saturn's at the bending of the nodes. If we go forward to April the 12th, this is an important day. So after we've gotten to that reality moment, okay, like saying, what is real? What isn't? How are we going to move forward? What are we willing to commit to? Then we have like the dreamiest, you know, aspect that I can think of, which is a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. Now, again, I did a really deep dive with Hannah Kuhari recently um, on her podcast uh, that I mentioned earlier. So go check that out again. My brain is functioning at three-quarter speed today. Um, but the main things that, I, that we talked about and that we uncovered was this is a this is a very idealistic placement not only because the third decan of pisces is a very idealistic place in the zodiac i mean we have the ten of cups energy with like this ephemeral rainbow with this happy family 
Uh, That Deccan is really about sacrifice for for a dream, like a, a religious crusading energy. And Neptune has that similar kind of thing. I think that the what I'm seeing with the, the peace aspect, Jupiter is actually the planet of peace. Jupiter restored order to Olympus after the, the war with the, the Titans. So Jupiter is the peacemaker. Jupiter brings order, brings things together. Uh, Saturn, or I'm sorry, Neptune is the boundary dissolver and the, the kind of religious fervor that you're willing to do whatever it takes to create social change or even socialistic change. I know that word is loaded, but I think what, it, what, what we see with it is trying to do things for the good of the collective. And Robert Schmidt talked about Neptune as a transcendental moon. So universal substance where we're sort of like melting into a collective consciousness, a collective unconsciousness that would sort of be re- represented like, like a moon if it was related to everybody and like these platonic ideals. So uh, I, I'm really confident. So I'm, I am, I'm hopeful. I don't know if I'm 100% confident, but I'm hopeful that a new era of peace and of treaties and of merging of cooperation between nations, between people will be brought into our experience. Now, the, 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 the challenge with this is to make sure that you're not falling into an illusion, which also Neptune can be related to. Um, we may be idealizing stability in our life too, because this, this is at 23 degrees of Pisces, that's on a fixed star called Markab, which is the saddle of Pegasus. So we may be chasing this idealistic dream uh, of, of trying to stabilize our life in, a, in an ephemeral place. Um, and we may be really experiencing hope around that. The, the, the theme around Pisces 3 is hope versus doom. And how do we maintain our hope even when we're having these wild swings of emotion? So there can be grandiose visions with this placement. Um, so, so make sure that, that you, are, you got real at the, the bending of Saturn at the nodes so that you can infuse that, that reality principle into your dream as well. Because when you balance Saturn and Jupiter out together, when you have a realistic perspective, but then you have hope within those limitations, you can, man, you're really, really powerful, right? That's when you get into, into the manifestation energy for sure. The other thing that's happening on that day is, is the sun is going to be making a sextile to Saturn. So another aspect that may be um, really helping us to, to have a sense of sobriety, uh, bringing sobriety to this very idealistic placement. Okay. So again, we're, we're establishing a following We're we're coming to an ending and letting go of old, um, glass ceilings, old idealistic narratives that may be limiting, old limiting beliefs we're letting go of with Saturn at the bending of the nodes. And that may actually help us to manifest the happy ending or the, or the dream as well. All right, I'm checking in on the chat here. We've got a lot of great conversation. Thank you so much for being such a um, supportive and active chat box here. You guys are awesome. Um, 
Andrea is happy that Henry is a, is interested in tarot. Andrea is a really great card slinger. I like that word, card slinger, but re really a uh, great tarot reader. Um, check out Space Tiger Nine, Space Tiger Tarot Nine, or Space Tiger Nine. You you put it in there, Andrea. But some re really beautiful photography where you can see that she is saying, "Here is your message for the day," and, and has this beautiful tarot cards with the Mar Marseille tarot, and then like crystals and uh, against these really dramatic black uh, backdrops. And um, I found a lot of oracular messages just by following her on Instagram. So make sure you check out Andrea uh, and really knowledgeable um, tarot reader as well. Um, I, I do gone. So I, so a new, I've got a new, a new person here. Hello. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, A-Y-D-O-G with a, a little um, half circle and an A-N. Is that a Turkish name? Or maybe this is one of Andrea's friends. Um, I have important appointments in those days, just like you said, with top governmental issues, I feel blocked, but still push the limits. Well, yeah, hopefully you utilize your charisma around that period of time, right? And, and you might be able to win over that hostile crowd and, and create a, 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 good, a good outcome for everyone involved. I would resist the, the temptation to use manipulation when we have uh, Pluto um, associations. Like if, like if we're talking back to the, the Mercury-Pluto square, you got to be above board with those and, and keep your eyes out for people that may try to use underhanded methods to get what they want. And in ourselves, sometimes we can do that also. Um, Henry, Rachel says, Henry, I really love combining tarot too. It really stimulates the divinatory mind and leads the mind into more visual fields of interpretation. Yeah, 100% the visual narrative. Okay. Your chat is a bit Mercury and Pisces. <laughs> uh, Dimphy says, my daughter Pearl's birthday is the 12th of April. Happy birthday, Pearl. This is your solar return chart. So, you know, Saturn at the bends. Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, you know, probably a really interesting year ahead. Okay, let's see. All right, I'm going to keep going just so we get through it. So on April the 14th, April the 14th, let's see. On April the 14th, what we're dealing with is Mars moving into Pisces. So this is Mars finally getting out of, oops, finally getting out of, uh, of Aquarius and, you know, leaving Saturn alone and joining up with Venus and Neptune and Jupiter. So Remember when I talked about the Eight of Cups related to the first decan of Pisces? Um, this is a, a place where we may be feeling like escaping into our mind and into our imagination. And, air, and Mars is a planet that helps us take action. So Austin Coppett calls that decan the labyrinth. So I would say that the, 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 the main thing I would share with you about Mars in, in the first decade of Pisces and Pisces in general is we're coming into alignment with maybe taking an indirect approach to our problems. 
we're we're going in a maybe a circular fashion. We're not trying to overcome things through force. We're trying to maybe, you know, doing Austin Kavik talks about doing Tai Chi, you know, like like you know, kind of moving like Neo in the Matrix where he's just you know bending around time and space with the bullets that are coming at him. That that's my vision of Mars and Pisces is just Neo like bending time and space. So you may feel again some some uh, disenchantment or disorientation with your with your approach, um, but you, you're getting a, you know, a good look at the the hidden rules that that make up you know the 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 rules the hidden rules of engagement. So I guess I would say guile over force is the the thing that is uh, talked about a lot with this with this decan. Okay. Uh, oh, so we say, yeah, it's Turkish. Good. I, at least I, I, I got the, the country right. Very cool. Um, and says, you can call me Ido. Okay, Ido. Awesome. Welcome. I'm, I'm really excited about uh, all of the international friends that we have here. And I'm, I'm really, really um, holding emotional space of peace for all my friends in Europe right now. So I, I'm really trying to hold that space for you. And I hope that you all are doing okay over there. Um, Henry's talking about we're leading up to tax time here. Yeah, that's a good thing to keep in mind, Henry, as we as we get to the April 14th. Tax day, as you are pointing out, is actually April the 18th this year rather than the, the normal 15th day, because I think the 18th is a Monday. So let's see what tax season has in store for us. So we've just had Mars moving into Pisces. And now what we're experiencing Next is the full moon. So here's April the 16th, full moon, uh, the sun at 26 degrees of Aries and the moon at 26 degrees of Libra. And one of the things that we are seeing, so we have an opposition between the sun and the moon, and all of those things are going to be squaring Pluto. So all of the things I was talking about, about dealing with government systems and what better government system than <laughs> the IRS to be able to deal with tax season? Um, I guess I would check everything twice before you send in your taxes if you're in, in America. Uh, make sure you got all the details because if you're like me, you kind of have to do the taxes during this Mercury and Pisces season and you, you, you may miss something. So make sure that you're, you're paying attention to all the details moving forward. I think this full moon is really about how are we going to restore balance and equilibrium to our life. That's really some of the significations of the, the moon in Libra 3 is how do we make the, the subtle adjustments to bring things back to center. And here's the secret, because this is the, the Four of, of Swords card, right? So if you see the Four of Swords, and I'll pull this out for all of you. The Four of Swords as a figure that is resting and that is kind of like, uh, you know, his hands are clasped in prayer. And meditation is the word that comes to mind with this. And I work with a lot of people that have placements here. And one of the things I always tell them is that peace in Libra 3 is created from the inside out. A lot of the times we feel like we have to find a peaceful external environment before we can relax. Well, the Four of Swords tells us that we are the restorers of balance by bringing our own peaceful center to chaotic situations. And that little shift of consciousness can make all the difference. So once you find your inner peace, 
you may be able to restore balance and equilibrium and harmony to what may be an intense emotional experience, especially with the Pluto square as well. If, some, if something comes up, you know, as unearthed and surprising from that's been repressed for a long time, you know, maintaining your equilibrium, your sense of calmness, your sense of peace, um, that can get you through through the, the, the biggest parts of the challenge. Now, the other thing that's going on, you know, we see Mercury starting to apply to a conjunction with Uranus. So there, there may actually be some shakeups in our routines around this period of time as well. Second decan of Taurus is, is ruled by the, the six of, of pentacles, where we see a figure that's giving um, charity to those in need. Maybe those figures in the five of pentacles are, are receiving alms from somebody, a wealthy benefactor. So maybe we get some unexpected help around this period of time. Um, and it's also related to consistency. That decan is all about the, 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 the seasons and the being able to create prosperity by showing up, you know, that my moon is in this decan. So I, I hopefully I'm creating success by, by creating uh, a consistency. I'll show up and I keep showing up and you all know that you can count on me to show up. And that's how, how we create success with a, with a moon in Taurus too, exactly conjoining the midheaven. This should be an interesting time frame for me with Mercury and Uranus exactly conjoining my MC and near my moon. So we'll see what happens. Um, on the 17th, in the 17th, we've got uh, Mercury's going to make a sextile to Venus. So maybe an unexpected benefit or benefactor. Uh, that's a really positive energy for receiving some kind of material support, uh, potentially from people in your life that that are uh, wishing you well and want to see you succeed. It's a, it's a very receptive quality as well. So I think that um, if you do receive support, just be grateful for it and open your arms to receive, right? Instead of like questioning it and being like, oh, is this real or whatever? Like, Sometimes we just have to have gratitude and then move on. So that might be part of what we're experiencing here. Now, on the 18th, as we have Mercury coming into the exact conjunction with Uranus, we also are having a condition where Mercury is making its evening rise at about 13 degrees of Pisces. So you could see here, and we've got just a little bit further away from it in this chart, but earlier in the day, Mercury will be emerging as an evening star. So that means that it's outside of the 15 degree arc of separation, okay, between the sun and Mercury. So this is an interesting uh, aspect, I think, because Mercury is going to be emerging with a sextile to a really exalted, dignified Venus and conjoining Uranus. So this may be like some support, you know, that you're receiving or communication or commerce that you weren't expecting that is really beneficial and really good. So, so I'm, I'm hopeful about that aspect. Now, the only caveat with this, again, is that Sun is going to be making its square to Pluto. So all of the things that we talked about for Mercury squaring Pluto from that exact same position are going to apply to the Sun, but this may mo be more about how we wield our authority rather than how we communicate because the sun is going to be like you know th there's power struggles when we have sun pluto squares 
So, you know, the other thing to watch out for in the news is like abductions. Like Pluto, you always see Pluto aspects with some kind of like, you know, Hades erupting from the underworld and abducting someone somewhere. So that may come to the fore. But there may be challenges in, in establishing our following. There may be some corruption in the systems that we're working within that we have to be careful not to get too, you know, angry about so that we don't fall prey to using covert manipulative methods to to gain a following rather than ones that are above board. So one of the things that is important is to find some kind of self-acceptance without needing external approval. So sometimes the internal approval is all that you need to move forward. And this is something that I'm working with a lot with, um, I really like the, I got this Regulus uh, oil from Sphere and Sundry. I don't know if you are familiar with uh, Austin Kopic's wife, Caitlin Kopic, who does some stuff with um, magical oils and elected stuff. And she had a really wonderful election for Regulus, um, which is a really calm Regulus, which is really working on self-esteem and, and calm confidence that is not necessarily dependent on the approval of others, which funnily enough actually will magnetize it. So that's something that I personally have been trying to work with is, is saying, hey, how can I feel more just comfortable with just being me without necessarily having to, to win or force the approval of, of others? So that's something that I think that would be really important around this period of time too, as we're seeing the square between the sun and, and Pluto. All right, I am looking at the chat. That's the end of Aries 3. We've got one more decade to go. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Again, if you're if you're new here, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a material donation to the work I'm doing, there's a little dollar sign that's just called a super chat or a super sticker. So much appreciate all of your support. Just happy that you're here and leaving me comments. This is great. Um, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. All of those good things. So I'm looking at the chat. We've got uh, June says, yes, lifelong pain filled with negative beliefs are arising from my unconscious depths with Jupiterian clarity, and I'm able to finally release them forever, ever into the Neptune Piscean light. Well, that's awesome, June. Um, you know, a lot of us are having these kind of moments of clarity that are helping us to move forward into a new experience that hopefully will be um, a gentler, you know, braver new world. So I think that that's a really, that's a great thing to be happening right now for everyone. Uh, Kate says, looks like the alchemy of the magician's card, this Taurus Pisces 14 day, uh, the luminaries and equinox signs. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I love the alchemy aspect of the magician card, like, like it being related to Mercury and Mercury, you know, finding the right mixture between the sun and the moon, the consciousness of the sun and how it's going to manifest in the body of the moon. So yeah, really a good observation, Kate. Uh, Laura says the full moon is right on my north node. Well, get ready to have a emotional day. <laughs> Try to maintain your inner peace. You know, Try not to let your uh, frustration bubble over and see if you can find a win-win situation. Uh, Rachel says, I've heard you talk about the experience of this Libra Deccan before. I'm really interested in the Deccans of Libra webinar, natal Pluto and moon together in this last Deccan. Well, Rachel, you're in luck because you can purchase that Deccans of Libra webinar on my website, spencermichelle.com, on the link titled store with all the other Deccans from Virgo 
up until my most recent one in Pisces. So if you're interested in, in learning more about these decans, th those webinars, I go for about two and a half to three and a half hours. It's like I said, it's a, it's a collection of all of my knowledge up to this point. There's mythological stories. There are fixed stars, tarot significations. I am absorbing all the information from Austin Kopic and T. Susan Chang, um, you know, fixed star knowledge of Bernadette Brady and other uh, authors like that. And I just try to distill it into something useful uh, and meditative for all of you. So um, I've really been uh, loving the community that we've been building there too. We have Q and A's at the end and people talk about their experience and their own charts and ask questions. And it's, it's a really great experience. So I hope that you'll join me for the Decans of Aries on April the 9th. All right. Tarya says, oh no, Mars over my son, the opposite to my husband's son. These Mars transits tend to be awful. Oh no, Tarya, you'll be okay. It'll be all right. Communication is the key. Take a deep breath. Uh, maybe if you're Pisces, maybe take a bath or go swimming. I don't know, maybe not in Finland in April, <laughs> but maybe draw up a hot bath and, and uh, just chill out and, and uh, melt away on some level. Um, okay. Yeah, and thank you for the encouragement, everyone. And I am, we're powering through. So let's get through this third, third decan. And here we're going to start the Taurus season. So I'm going to move to the sun moving into Taurus. Let's find it. Let's find Taurus. There it is. April 19th, 1024 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. You see the sun moving into Taurus. Excuse me. Co-present now with Uranus and Mercury and the North Node. So, hey, guess what? Normally, we would experience stability and calmness during, or during Taurus season. That might not be the case during this particular Taurus season because of Uranus and Mercury's presence there. We may... Uh, get some shakeups. Now that doesn't mean that necessarily have to be bad. Sometimes when we're shaken up out of our routines or our ruts, it leads to a better experience. Um, so not all surprises are bad. Uh, this is something I'm having to learn as a Taurus moon is sometimes the unexpected can bring good things and you don't have to be scared about it, right? Sometimes, you know, welcoming the new with open arms can be a wonderful experience rather than fearing it. But recognize that your your daily routines may actually get shaken up a little bit. And if you build an extra time for everything that you're doing, and you accept that you may not be able to do things the way that you've always done them during this period of time, you're going to have a much better uh, Taurus season in 2022. So just a little bit more about that Deccan. We're talking about 0 to 10 degrees of, of Taurus. Austin Cabot calls it the plow. Uh, it's a Mercury Deccan. Remember we talked earlier when Mercury moved into to Taurus 1 about uh, potential worry over material resources? The, wherever the sun is, is it shines the light of awareness on this. So we may get a, a, a wake-up call about what we really have in our possession and what we want to do with it. You know, how are we going to create fertility moving forward? You know, we've got all these sextiles now to all the planets in Pisces, but here's the challenge. This is the thing that I want to draw your attention to is, yes, we have the benefics sextiling, but we have Saturn 
and an overcoming square to all the Taurus stuff right now. Now, it's better than than Saturn and Mars being in an overcoming square, but sometimes the feeling when you have Saturn and Aquarius overcoming the Taurus stuff is that forces that are bigger than you are disrupting your routines and, and not necessarily allowing you to come to a sense of peace, unfortunately. Now, in the beginning of this, this Taurus 1 section, it's, we're not going to feel it as intensely as we will towards the end of the month um, or towards really the middle of May. We're going to feel it really intensely in the middle of May, especially when we get to the eclipse on May 16th. So I, I am seeing maybe that there may be some collective things in the news or, or collective experiences that feel uh, that they're limiting our enjoyment of Taurus season, but we'll get through it. Um, I, you know, history has, has shown us that sometimes uh, there are different spikes in, in pandemic land. I, I know everyone's super tired of the pandemic, myself included, but uh, what we've seen, if we look at the history of like the Spanish flu in, in 1918, is that around this period of time uh, and around the last year, when we had a number of the restrictions lifted in March, we had another spike in the beginning of April. So, so potentially, maybe there's some things with that. Maybe there's some other things in the, in other collective things that are limiting the, our ability to seek pleasure and, and have the, the routines that we want. But we'll get through it. Okay. So, one thing I wanted to point out about the first decade of Taurus that I think is important is when we look at the uh, Kabbalistic tree of life and the Sephira, the, the kind of the energy centers that are related to, to these specific tarot decans, Taurus 1 is a, is a Sephira called Gavura. And Gavura is related to limitations and severity. And like, you know, when we had Aries 3, we had the, the, the um, Sephira Hesed, which is limitlessness, like loving kindness, the flow of energy, right? And here we have limits. So we say, what are the limits of our resources? How do we create structures and boundaries around it to, to, so that we're not just overwhelmed by limitlessness? So those two things, Hesed and Gabura, are balancing forces on the Kabbalistic tree of life. So how can you not be too tight-fisted about your resources, but, but create um, structure around whatever you need to do to be able to, to move forward. I, I, unfortunately, I do think that during Taurus season this year, we may have some financial challenges. I, you know, the, I think that um, you know, stuff with inflation in America is going a little haywire. The, the, the stock market's been a little funky. Um, and and I, I do unfortunately think that there's that's not going to abate um, in this particular season. Uh, so I would I would say that one thing I would recommend is maybe in the beginning being frugal with your resources so that you don't kind of get caught with your pants down when things get a little bit tighter. Um, so so I think that frugality is probably a wise choice just to be able to to stabilize your situation. And that may be the influence of Saturn overcoming, uh, you know, the, all of the planets in Taurus as well. Saturn saying, "Be realistic, you know, limit your expenditures, 
normally we may might want to like really be extravagant around this period of time, but Saturn is, is limiting that a little bit. Um, okay, setting material limits, planning, worrying over resources, infusing spirit into matter. The other thing that I think is positive, though, the good news is, is that all of these planets in Taurus are being provided for by an exalted Venus. Okay, so that can be good and bad, right? It can be good because, you know, the, the clay that, that Taurus has to work with is super high quality. The only challenges that I think that we have to be real careful of is just when Venus and Neptune and Jupiter come together, we can have some really luxurious tastes. We can get, we can go really hog wild with like maybe the illusion that we have more than we, we actually do. And little bummer Saturn is going to come through and say, Hey, you may want to, you may want to, you know, dial it back a little bit. Um, so, you know, Enjoy yourself, but within reason, I think is the, the mantra, I think, for Taurus this season. Okay, let's break it down. If we get to the 23rd, everybody doing all right out there in virtual land? Hope so. So we get to April the 23rd, and the, the important thing that I see on April the 23rd is we've got Mercury making a conjunction with the North Node in Taurus 3. Now, the, the conjunction with the North Node in Taurus 3, Taurus 3 is the part of Taurus where, here's the, here's the cliff notes on Taurus. You make the plans, you plant the seeds in the second decan and create a rhythm. You, you know, you fertilize the ground. And then you protect the harvest in the third decan against, you know, disease, pests, forces of nature, and you have patience to be able to bring the abundance into, into being. Taurus three is a challenging place. Uh, you know, Austin Kaba calls it a string of prayer beads. He really talks a lot about forces, natural forces that are sometimes out of our control that we need to have faith and patience to endure. So when Mercury is conjoining the, the North Node, there may be some, some things that are out of our control. Okay, You can also see that that conjunction is squaring Saturn. So there may be some, some communal things. There may be some personal things. There may be some, there may be some weather events like that may be happening around this period of time that may be difficult. Um, I don't know what happens in April. What is that like? that thunderstorm tornado season that could be something you know like something like that where the the forces of nature that that we can't control that we have to kind of surrender to you know have us feeling a little bit funky uh this is also the decan that has um the star of medusa algal in it so it it, it can be really intense that that place was algal in the head of medusa was in, in Chinese astrology was called piled up corpses. So it, not a super nice area of the zodiac sometimes. And it requires um, faith. It requires uh, meditation. And there's a daimon associated with that deck and called the litai, which are these, these hobbled old women that follow behind eight or ruin, offering up repentant prayer. 
Um, Lynn says late blizzards. Yeah, maybe. So, so I wouldn't, maybe don't plant, if you're in my uh, area of the world, you don't plant your garden at the end of April because you could still get snow in Michigan around that period of time. I wait till at least Mother's Day around here, like first or second week of, of May to feel truly safe. So yes, maybe a late freeze or something like that. That's a good, that's a good call in. All right. And Kate is talking about the 420 cannabis thing just clipped, clicked as soon as the, t- the sun hit Taurus. Yeah, potentially. You know, maybe that is a, a signification where people are just enjoying themselves and blissing out in Taurus season. Um, the other thing that's happening on this 23rd, this April 23rd day, is we are seeing a last quarter moon square. So one of the things that happens, you know, here, here's our, whoops, there it is. So the moon will be at three degrees Aquarius and the sun will be at three degrees of Taurus. Now that's the degree of exaltation for the moon. So that's actually a really fertile place. But again, we're having to balance out uh, some kind of idealistic challenge to how we're using our resources around this period of time. And it may be that we have to maybe make some sacrifices for the greater good uh, around this period as well. Um, Both of these decans are related to fives in the tarot, the five of swords for the moon and the five of pentacles for the sun. And they're both Gabura limitations. So we may be experiencing a little bit of limitation uh, at this last quarter moon, an existential crisis, if you will. Um, you know, feeling exiled where we're at. That's that's what this moon represents is kind of like, you know, you're going off into the frontier willingly or not. You may not feel at home with the moon in this place where you feel like a little bit uncomfortable just in your own skin or in your own home or in your own city. So there may be some feelings like that, some alienation uh, because of your idealism versus your physical space as well okay and again on the on the 24th that's when we see the the perfection of the mercury saturn square that's going to happen at 23 degrees of of aquarius and uh taurus there so that'll necessitate some sober conversations particularly probably regarding money and finances uh saturn is asking us to untie old uh karmic knots in in aquarius so, you know, maybe again, dealing with forces bigger than ourselves. Saturn is overcoming Mercury. Mercury represents commerce. If I'm going to think about a point in this month where we may be experiencing collective financial difficulty, this would be one point where Saturn is saying, oh man, we're limiting commerce, you know, because of Saturn's placement and its overcoming square to Mercury. So having some tough conversations around finances around this period of time, potentially. Uh, one of the benefits that Mercury is receiving, though, is, is a little bit of a sextile to Neptune. So we have, to, I guess, I would say, be careful if you're pursuing some kind of idealistic quest and that you that you aren't overspending and that you're respecting the limitations that Saturn is asking for around this period of time. Okay, we move to the 27th. We're almost we're in the home stretch, folks. Uh, Mercury is going to be sextiling Jupiter uh, on the 27th at 27 degrees of Taurus and Pisces. And, you know, this is a a fairly uh, sanguine um, relationship between these two planets. You know, the moon is also activating this transit, uh, conjoining Jupiter on that day. So there may be some experiences with, with, you know, patience 
with prayer, with you know making some kind of sacrifice to 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 achieve our ideal, you know finding ways to protect our uh, abundance or whatever we're trying to grow into fruition. You know there may be some assistance that we get through uh, our inner world, through our our idealism and through our visioning that, that Jupiter is is bringing about. So Jupiter in the overcoming uh, sextile to, to Mercury is positive. So after the reality check that we got with Mercury going to Saturn, then maybe we have a little bit of assistance, right? That's something to consider, a little bit of a, a bonus afterwards. The other thing that's happening on the 27th is Venus will be making a conjunction to Neptune. So again, another positive conjunction, although we have to be careful. Yeah, that Kate is saying maybe releasing expectations sort of out of your hands, right? And, and with, with Venus here, nearing her degree of exaltation, not quite there yet, but getting close, um, we have to be realistic about our desires, about what is possible. Again, the third decan of Pisces is related to like idealistic crusades, like where we're trying to do whatever it takes to get the happy ending to get that rainbow vision consciousness of like the, the happy little family dancing underneath the rainbow. It's a Mars rule decan. So there's, we have to be careful that we're not uh, martyring ourselves for a dream that may or may not be able to, to come into reality. Now, the flip side of that is maybe it is able to be manifested. You know, th this could be the dream come true aspect. You just have to be realistic and, and not get the, the you know, the, the cliched rose-colored glasses on. You have to stay a little bit realistic about what you're doing, even if you're manifesting something, a, a dream, right? Uh, the dream has to have form. It has to have a container. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to, to, to manage it, okay? All right. So, again, look towards the Taurus and Libra house for where Venus and Neptune are providing clay for. Okay, moving along. On the 28th, Mercury is going to make a trine to Pluto uh, at 28 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. So again, after the contact with uh, Venus and Neptune and Jupiter, then we have to have a hard conversation with Pluto and eliminate some of the corruption in our systems. Luckily, the trine between Mercury and Pluto may make it a, a fruitful and productive clutter clearing session. So I would say that this is a great day to like take a look at whatever you're working on, eliminate the clutter, reorganize your, your physical space, and just in, when in doubt, throw it out, okay? And that's going to free up new energy for repurposing, you know, your space into something that will, uh, when you get rid of the old, that, that opens up space for, for something that is reflective of who you are now, right? Um, and Henry says, maybe back to the Venus Neptune, maybe it's worth being martyred for, LOL, right? Yeah, there are some things that are worth sacrificing for. So, so don't, don't, don't get me mistaken there, Henry, that definitely there are crusades worth pursuing. Uh, I think that just it's important with Neptune in the mix that we are, are staying um, s sober with it and realistic about it. 
because it's very easy to 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 be so idealistic that we're getting ourselves in over our head or or in a little bit too deep sometimes. Um, okay, on the 29th, our friend Mercury, Hermes, is going to be moving into Gemini, okay? <clears throat> so here is the ingress of Mercury into Gemini, its own domicile, uh, a place that it enjoys being, a place where it proliferates options and explorations. Mercury in Gemini is an explorer. It wants to touch everything. It wants to uh, pollinate every flower. It, it's exploring, but eventually to make a choice. Now, the, the thing with Mercury in Gemini 1, this is associated with the Eight of Swords card. Um, the Eight of Swords shows a woman that is, is bound uh, and blindfolded. So you can see this here in the Eight of Swords and a lot of times, Gemini is a really tough spot in the zodiac. I think people give a bad rap to Gemini's in, in modern astrology and pop astrology and all this and that. But in the theme of Mundi, Gemini is associated with the twelfth house, and a lot of it is about the, some of the exploration and potential indecision that's associated with having to make a really important choice. Like in, in the case of the 12th house associated with the myth of Ur, where a soul is incarnating into a body and having to choose the life that they're going to incarnate into with full knowledge of all the, the wonderful things and all the negative things they're going to experience. And you might want to like, you know, cross all your T's and dot all your I's knowing <laughs> everything you're getting into. So when Mercury is moving into Gemini 1 or Gemini 1 in general, we can feel a little bit paralyzed by the awareness of so many different options and dualities that we're moving into. So give yourself some time, explore, recognize that you don't necessarily have to, you know, pretend like you're a drag <laughs> dragster on my street. I have, I live on kind of a main thoroughfare near a stoplight where people like just blow their engines out and like through this stoplight. It's really crazy. Um, but maybe it's a metaphor. Maybe it's a it's a good message to slow down, uh, explore, realizing that it's not necessarily a time where you have to commit yourself yet. We're just exploring options to eventually make a choice and infuse something into a, a body in, in like cancer season where we are nurturing it into fruition. Okay, so that's that's Mercury moving into Gemini. Communications may get a little bit easier. A lot of different people we may want to explore talking with. Uh, the, that same day, Pluto is going to be turning retrograde. So you can see in red and on my astral gold chart, uh, we've got a retrograde Pluto here. So maybe reviewing some of those, those bureaucratic systems that we were dealing with throughout the connections with, you know, the squares with, with Aries, Sun and Mercury and whatnot. Um, you know, the, the outer planets do this once a year. So it's not, it's not anything uh, super crazy. But it may just slow down some of the uh, cha changes that we're making in that area of our life because we might have missed a detail. So we may have to review and uh, think of yourself as the cosmic, you know, plumber where you've got to go back down into the basement to clear the pipes a little bit because you missed some tree tree roots that were clogging up your pipes, or you may have to get the plunger out and plunger out the the sink or something because there's still something stuck. 
So that might be some of the energy we're experiencing with a retrograde Pluto. Now, the last thing that we have, and one of prob probably the most important day, uh, is on April the 30th. Here we have a new moon solar eclipse. Not only do we have a new moon solar eclipse, but we have a Jupiter-Venus conjunction at Venus's degree of exaltation at 27 degrees of Pisces. Oh my goodness. That is some really well-dignified benefic planets uh, in a Deccan that is ruled by the, the um, you know, the Mars, uh, whereas the, the moon is and the sun here are going to be in a Deccan ruled by the exaltation of the moon here. It's a very, very powerful, powerful eclipse. One that I think is positive. Uh, I, I, I like this eclipse for moving us forward into a, a new stage of a new chapter of abundance in our life, a new chapter of being able to create, maybe create wealth and prosperity, of manifesting a dream. And you know me on this channel. I'm pretty conservative as far as like saying that this is going to be great. You know, I, I don't mean that politically. I mean that like I try to be a voice of reason and I don't make every, every aspect isn't like wonderful, happy sunshine, rainbow times. This one though, I'm looking at this and even though it's an eclipse, which is generally eclipses were considered malefic events. I don't know. There's some good, there's some juice in this eclipse that could lead to some really, really positive manifestations. Now, Saturn is still overcoming. It's not, you know, close in, in aspect, but it is still aspecting it by whole sign. So there, there's still maybe some limitations that we're working within. But having Jupiter and Venus come together at Venus's degree of exaltation is a real, like I said, I've been circling this date for over a year and other astrologers, I'm, I'm guessing, have been too. And it's a really positive decan of Taurus, which is associated with charity. Um, I think it's really important to share your resources around this period of time. Don't don't hoard. Uh, you can create more wealth by helping others and with your generosity. I think this is a great time for establishing new new routines and new ways of dealing with your material resources that could lead to a breakthrough in the coming months ahead. You're going to be setting the tone for the next six months. And in a meta cycle for however many years that this uh, cycle may be uh, bringing us as well. So, you know, it is also co-present with um, Uranus. So again, it, it, we have to do things in a new way. You can't do things the way that you've always done them. If you embrace the new, you embrace the new methodology, I think you can create a great, great wealth, great prosperity, manifest a dream, within reason, because again, Saturn is there. So I, I really am hopeful for this one. Um, again, still not a time to like go out and charge all your crystals. Like eclipses are not lunations if you're to do stuff like that. They're still somewhat, they can be considered malefic events uh, because you had a hungry dragon consuming the lights in, or a hungry demon. You know, it was the ancient people were, they were wary of this energy. So I guess my, my cautious, you know, thing about this would be try not to get over overwhelmed or over enthusiastic 
right? Be realistic. Uh, for, you know, don't, don't get yourself in over your head while you're trying to pursue a new reality in relationship to your material resources. That's important as well. Uh, make sure that you're not printing out a bunch of things <laughs> during <laughs> your live stream. <laughs> oh boy, Mercury Pisces is getting me today. Um, but again, you know, we're, we, we will desire stability. We'll de we are desiring uh, the ability to create uh, a new routine, a new wealth, a new prosperity. But again, the, it comes from sharing. You know, one of the things I've learned is to create more prosperity, be generous with your time, with your resources, and, and that will that will be returned to you. It's like a boomerang, right? Like there's there's kind of these these laws of nature that we're working within. So that's what I've got. Uh, I will break down these donations with the guest moving forward. Um, you know, I'm, I've got one more thing for you. Uh, and that is a hexagram and an animal like we do. And I'm going to stop my share here. Thank you so much for going on this journey with me today. Whatever it's printing down there, sorry. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but <laughs> messages from the future, Rachel says. Uh, Dimphy says, you can sow already some vegetables at the end of March already. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe where you're at, I'm not, I'm not planting anything in the ground <laughs> in the end of March, but maybe metaphorical seeds right? Um, inside. Yes. Inside though, Dimpy. That's right. That's right. Keep them safe. Keep them safe. You don't want to expose them to the, to the, uh, the natural forces just yet. Okay. So the, the, the hexagram that I got was number 29 and this number 29, it translates to the abyss, uh, water, darkness. It's double water. If you're thinking elementally, um, danger, despair. It requires courage and devotion. It's asking us to maintain faith as we push through rapids. So 29 is a place where we just don't have clarity yet. We just don't have all the answers. We don't have all the information. And it's a place where when we don't have all that information, it can be dangerous. So there is one changing line. Number three, it says before and behind, abyss upon abyss, dangerous and deep as well. If one enters the abyss, one falls into the pit. Do not act. So here's what I wrote down for this. You're surrounded by forces you don't understand. Acting now might make matters worse. You might be in more trouble than you think. If you dig a deeper hole, you, you, it says don't dig a deeper hole. Exercise self-control. Stop struggling and regain clarity of mind. Wait until you potentially find the solution that comes to you, that becomes apparent. Be still until you are sure. I think this is really related to some of that Jupiter, Neptune, Pisces kind of thing. Where if we're too idealistic, we can really just move forward without all the details. And I think sometimes we have to let the process unfold. We don't want to force things since it's still like most of the month is airy season because we can get ourselves in deep in, in places that may be dangerous for us because of all this new energy we're experiencing. Now, number 29 is, is changing to the hexagram number 48. Number 48 is called the well. 
or it also translates to human potential, human resources, replenishing, renewal, uh, nurturing others, the unchanging. And one quote in one uh, translation that I like with the well is, the location may change, but the source is never depleted. And they talk about in that hexagram that whenever in ancient uh, Chinese culture they would move a house or a city, they, they always had to figure out what was going on with the water source, the well, right? And, and you had to like make sure it had a good spring associated with it. Um, so this is really referring to our inner strength, our inner source. Um, and we need to tend to our own wells as we're experiencing these outer, maybe even chaotic changes. Um, I like to say, wherever you go, there you are. Um, a lot of times we try to ex change external things that we're trying to do things from the outside in. And yes, that can be helpful, but a lot of times working th through things from the inside out can be very powerful. And with the benefics in Pisces, that's really the way to create prosperity and good fortune is getting into total alignment with your why and with what is inspiring you internally, and you create peace and prosperity internally first, you'll be amazed at how, how many doors and windows and, and situations can open to you. A lot of the times, because we have internal resistances, we're, we're creating external obstacles for ourselves just from our behavior, okay? So I, I think that this is, this is something that is very important to internalize, um, is that, you know, even if there's changes going on around us, we still can tap into that inner wellspring and that when the form changes, we still have access to the essence. I love, I love the, the, the talking about essence versus form. This is something that I've had to learn really hard lessons with in my life is that even though form is impermanent and decays and, and sometimes the powers of entropy take over, that that energy it, it, it lives on in some other form and not getting it so attached to the form. Okay. Rachel's saying the way out is in. Um, yeah, with some really nice comments here. Uh, let's see. There's a sobering essence to this Venus raised up, like surviving, sharing what you have, getting on the other side of difficulty. That's what love, that's the love that's still there. Yeah. That's really about danger and the abyss is getting to the other side right? Getting other, to the other side of the rapids to a more peaceful place. Rachel says, sounds like the hexagram is saying not to start those seeds too early. I agree. Uh, prepare the soil and plan the plot as well. Yes, that's what we do in Taurus 1, right? Plan. You just put them in the ground. You're, you're exposing them to all sorts of ills, right? But if you have a good plan, if you space them properly and you tend to them daily, right, you'll be able to create the abundance that you're looking for. Uh, usually issues, Kim says, Kim's astro healing says, usually issues work themselves out if we observe um, and out of curiosity and love. Yeah, love is going to be important. Venus in its exaltation, unconditional love. Now, this is important for all the Virgo people in the audience, myself included. I know I attract a lot of mercurial people. We have to love without condition. We have to love without feeling. We have to fix everything. Sometimes we just accept people and situations for what and who they are. And that's enough. We don't always have to refine things, right? And, and the energy now with all this Pisces stuff is saying, just come to a place of peace and acceptance. You don't have to always 
make every little change. You don't have to micromanage everything. Okay. Um, Rachel says, this is, we often learn as we get older, uh, the way out is in. Henry says, tending to inner stillness, center heart and mind to create good outcomes. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. Kim says, form is emptiness and emptiness is form. Yes, 100%. There's one more thing that I have for you today. And this is the animal that I pull. I like pulling an animal symbolism to, to figure out how to, that will teach us some of the types of behaviors that might work in this circumstance. Because we can learn a lot from nature. I really love incorporating some kind of natural uh, force into what we're doing today. And I pulled the eel, which is, it's, it's interesting to see that we've got the abyss, a dark, watery place. We've got all these water benefics. And then we have an animal that is all about mystery, disguise, hiding, camouflage. Um, it can it, it is associated with transformation in various schools of thought. It can shock us with its electricity, certain species, right? Um, regrouping. It talks about regrouping in the shadows, being patient for our, our opportunity. Um, resting rather than burning the candle at both ends. And, and also eels are great observers of situations. So observing a situation without necessarily having to be a part of it and getting involved can be important too. Um, I think that's a great, you know, they have really flexible spines. So be like that Mars in Pisces with the eel. Weave your way through a situation like water, like a flexible, you know, I don't know, I'm thinking of like a gymnastic, rhythmic gymnastic ribbon with the eel, right? And move around obstacles rather than having to necessarily power through them sometimes. All right, that's what I've got for you, my friends. We did it. We got through the uh, astrology of April. Uh, you have been giving me so much strength and energy today. Thank you for sticking out my sleep-deprived ramblings today. Hopefully, I've been able to tap into some source and bring you some to a place of peace of mind and prepare you for the month ahead. Um, thank you so much for all your comments in the, in the comment section. Uh, enjoy all of you being here with me today. Please, please, please do me a favor. Like that. Hit the like button. I know it's cliched, but it really does help uh, content creators such as myself get the word out to more people. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, if you want to do a material donation, buymeacoffee.com is a great way to do that. Reach out for a reading if you need help through these challenging transitions. I love, love, love working with all of you. I've been working with more of you that have been coming to the chats, and it's so nice to just to get to know you and to, to spend time and hold space for you in those readings. Uh, I do natal readings, transit readings, fixed star readings. Uh, I incorporate the tarot and all of these things, and you can get some of these things specific to your chart. And then last but not least, please join me for the decans of, of Aries in the, in the spring series with Aries, Taurus, and Gemini. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I put a lot of energy and effort into those, and, and I'm really looking forward to, to speaking with all of you. All right, my friends, that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here today. You all are an amazing community. You all have great strength and wisdom, and I am so humbled to be, uh, you know, a guide, but also a participant with you as well. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, I will see you the next time and we'll talk soon. Peace, everyone.